Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. This is episode 107 of Shades of Brown. And this week, uh, we're wrapping up the the fall of product launches, I guess. Uh, or is there anything left? Is there Well, is there... so there's that, like, the Mac Pro is supposed to ship sometime. Like, I mean, is there going to be an event for that? Because also, like, do AirPods rumored? So, like, I guess this week was the last of the known tech keynotes, right? Google went this week to announce all of their fall hardware. But there might be another Apple event or just, like, a couple PR releases. I think it might just be a PR release. I think, I don't think, Apple, I think Apple only does, like, one really big event and this might be one small one but right, all right let's right. let's get started with with google uh we're gonna start with the biggest like the most important device that people usually care about at, at this particular event anyway and more more importantly the most leaked device the from most this leaked device but I'll say I I don't I haven't seen any of the leaks because I don't I don't read Android blogs anymore I don't listen to Android specific podcasts anymore so it's I don't know the leaks. Well, the leaks were wild. It's you know how last year the Pixel Three right um like this Russian site got their hands on it about a week or so before launch. This device, there was a Vietnamese review of it a month before it was announced like a whole just 10 minute review on youtube with sample photos and everything a month before it came out and an interesting bit an interesting bit with regards to those leaks is that google hasn't commented on them at all they poked a little fun um at them during the keynote but but during an interview with the um rick also i believe head of the pixel uh, department at google on the verge cast he mentioned that Ever since Google bought um, HTC's hardware division, the Pixel team is split up between the California office and in Taipei. So my my thinking is because of the fact of that the hardware is split between two countries, that leads to it leaking more just for the fact of the you have manufacturing prototypes not staying in the internal Google office, but also to this auxiliary office in Taipei and they're going back and forth, which gives more vectors for it to be either stolen in transit or or you know some other form of leaking to happen because it's not as contained in one specific building. Yeah, I would imagine R&D is split and like people in Taipei uh, like it, it, like if the product is getting moved or like if the product is in two places, there's more chances of it getting leaked. Uh, just people just snapping them, like stu- like getting their hands on a prototype. Like it's it happens. Uh, so let's let's get, start talk about the uh, the actual product that's launching. So it's uh, Google Pixel Four. Uh, the big ones are the ninety hertz screen, right? Shipping October twenty four. The pricing. Uh, US dollars seven ninety nine for the the base pixel and eight ninety nine for the XL. Are there no size like storage size variants, or is this that is that it? I believe the most you can get is one hundred and twenty eight gigs of storage on these. So it's like sixty four to one hundred twenty eight, and that's it, which probably adds about a hundred dollars onto it. Um, and the, the interesting bit about it is that so this obviously has flagship Android twenty nineteen specs, right? That's what you expect so we're not really going to go over that much we're going over what makes it different um and the most interesting bit is this project solely radar in there so and how this works is that it uses an actual ultrasonic radar to detect motion above the device so you in theory could um wave to skip a track uh, move your hand over it to do another action and they have like a demo app of pikachu that tells you to wave at the Pokemon to actually to train you on how that feature works. And they still also do include the squeezable sides from last year's device. And the interesting bit about Soli is that this actually, there's a couple tech demos um, a year or so back about how it could work. And they had, it was like an Android Wear, I'm sorry, Wear OS device. And they had a Soli sensor on it. And what it would do is if you say like pinch your fingers, like, um, like think if you're like ever like put salt on a dish, you're like sort of doing that gesture of like pinching the salt. If you did that, you could also it'd be able to to track those fine movements and adjust volume, scroll through cards in the Google Assistant. But none of that is shipping on this device. Instead, it's broad movements. And apparently, the reason is is that to fit into a phone, they had to redesign the sensor and all of the machine learning models that they had for the prior sensor had to be retrained and rebuilt for this sensor. So that's why it is a different implementation of Soli in it. Right, and also uh, we should mention that solely is radar. It is regulated by government bodies it's because radar is regulated in uh, in all, in countries. So it will only work right now in in the U.S., Canada, Singapore, Australia, Taiwan, and most 
European countries. So, and those it, are the only countries that Pixel 4 is being sold in, too. So it's not going to be sold in India because it didn't pass any government certification there in India. And if, if, you, if you travel to a country where motion sense is not approved, it won't work. Like, it is geofenced, right? Like, so if your phone detects that you're in a different location where it is approved to run solely, it will, it will just disable it. So it, it won't work in non-approved countries, which I guess makes sense because I'd imagine governments don't want, like, radar, like, just radar happening that's not approved. Uh, yeah, and as well, the um, outside of this radar stuff, there's, of course, the new cameras. And they, I love it, last year, last year, Google was like, you only need one camera, fuck two cameras. You know, these three camera systems, garbage. We can do it all at one camera. And then this year, they're like, okay, so we have two cameras now, but you know that three camera system, garbage. We can do it all with two cameras. <laughs> I love how they, like, next year, they're going to have three cameras. Yeah, they're just going to be like, three cameras, we do it better than they do it with their three cameras. And so they added a um, telephoto camera to the pixel 4 just to improve the super res zoom feature they have which is super interesting because last year it it was also on the pixel 3 and how it worked is that when you pinch the zoom in on a photo in the viewfinder it would use data um data generated by the natural tremors of your hand right because even if you're holding the phone steady your you know your hands naturally shake a little bit and it uses the difference in like motion from the tremors to generate fine detail super interesting um math and physics done to get that in that photo detail and so this year they're combining that with an actual telephoto sensor to improve the super res zoom and they're also going to be using that you know secondary data like apple does for you know portrait shots for general photos so of course because regardless of whatever google wants to say in general the more data you can provide in any context, right? The more data you can provide, generally the better results you're going to have. And so with another camera, photos can also get improved there. And outside of that, um, I love during the keynote too, they just had like this guy who's a, a professor at Stanford just come on and just like talk math. He was like, some people say it's mad science. He's like, no, it's just math. Oh, that's a big <laughs> apple, right? That's a big at Phil yeah. Schiller um, on yeah. stage when he was talking about diffusion. He was like, this is photography, mad science, right? And then uh, they're clearly taking a dig at apple with their computational photography like stuff. Uh, and also, like the the camera apparently there was a woman on stage like a photographer and she, apparently she, like she did a very bad job of like actually selling the phone like she well no so she's she's like an incredible photographer right she's an incredible professional photographer they just didn't coach her on any and stage she, yeah, she appeared like apparently very disinterested and like well was... she was like just she was stumbling over her words they were like describe the camera and she was like well you know like 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 uh you could tell that she she wasn't she wasn't practiced she didn't re- do any rehearsals clearly. yeah uh, and but like she's an incredible photographer if you ever like look at her instagram page like uh, like there's a1 photography there like do not d- her skills are great but they just didn't really give her any media training or any stage training which was bad but um the the interesting part too about this about this camera is that photos probably going to be better than the new iphones right but but the part where Google always falters is video, which I don't understand because they make YouTube, right? Like they could make this the ultimate YouTube device for like people who want to get into like vlogging or whatever. But you can't even, you can't do 4K 60, you can't do 4K 24, and you don't get any of like the fancy HDR stuff. You get like a basic implementation of it when doing video. Google is very siloed. Like it's like YouTube is like its own thing, and like they don't like talk to the Pixel division. Probably like you know, it's not a thing. It's not like Apple where things are very like more tightly integrated with like like product hardware and like software are all like very tightly integrated. It's it's not like that. Google just like operates like each of these things are its own company, right? Like it's it's separate, which is weird. But it's that's how it works. Can I talk about one thing? The the three colors. There is. Why do they do this? Why do, do uh, I saw I saw a joke on Twitter that the three colors are describing the state of the tech industry, or um, and politics jokes here. The last the last three U.S. presidents, just black, <laughs> clearly white, and <laughs> oh, so orange. Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, somebody it's, in marketing had a, had a, a oh god. The the orange though it looks. 
uh, questionable. Like I, it they ruined a- the black too because the black does not have a matte back, while the white and the orange ones are matte. Every year, Google gets these colors just oh so wrong. Yeah, it's like it's just if you're gonna do a black, just make it matte, bro. I mean, at the very least, they got rid of the frosted glass back stuff. You remember last year how it would um. It was it was frosted, and in the way that they actually applied the frosting, it went ahead and made it sharper than say like keys or other metal objects. So if you put your keys on the back of it, it would you'd be able to draw on it, right? It almost be like a chalkboard, not because it was scratching, but because the glass is actually scratching the metal. So you had micro particles, right, show up on there, and you could wipe it off. But it just got like it looked really gross because of that. Just that orange, yeah, that orange in photo- photographs uh, look weird. Uh, the white is probably the best color, actually. I think I think actually the white looks really good. Uh, but that that black, that orange color is is questionable. And also the ninety hertz display. I think this is becoming like uh, like higher refresh rate displays in Android world are becoming like a like a flagship feature now, right? Which I approve uh, of. I'm very much here for that because this one's dynamic too. I. I don't know. It's not like full free sync levels of dynamic, but Google can rev it down to 60 hertz, 30 hertz, and uh, 24 hertz. Okay, so there's one thing that let's talk about is the uh, is the issue with the face unlock. Ah, uh, uh, right, because Google's using the they're using actually solely to to implement the new face unlock system. Uh, so so uh, so Chris Fox on 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 Twitter posted this example of. Of the of the of the face uh, recognition unlock system being being active like being like being taking like somebody's eyes being closed as a valid way to unlock a phone right which is so it's not detecting like uh, like without without face ID works attention right? detection you have to on, look, yeah attention detection you have to be looking at the phone you have to make eye contact with the sensor in order for face ID to work right it has to it tries to detect motion it tries to detect some form of life and then it'll then unlock the phone and the, and the thing is in Android four point one like it like it actually required you to blink uh, if your head was like seemed stationary but this oh, is I remember just, that it was on like the the Nexus seven had that feature yeah it's like th- what is this though like this is really weird like they're gonna be shipping this uh with Mm. And the thing is too, right? The problem with this is that it's not only for unlocking the phone. It's that this is how you authenticate Google Pay, right? This is how you authenticate logging into secure applications. If you have like a if you have a biometric lock on Signal, right? This is how you authenticate it by looking at your phone. And if just a photo of your face will work for it, or just a face of your eyes closed, if it's not trying to detect, uh, you know, it's not trying to detect any attention, then that's problematic because it defeats the whole purpose of this being a secure login method <laughs> it's, it's 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 defeatable pretty easily which is which is like might as well not use it and use like uh like a like a passcode, passcode yeah, yeah it's like might as well might as well use one password to generate your phone's login password because that's more secure than this yeah and this is this is not good this is like i hope they fix this because like i don't i don't think they should like keep this around like this is clearly like a bug or so like a oversight. they said that it's going to be in a software update they're going to um it, they're going to add attention tracking or attention detecting um options but the fact too they're like yeah we did this for speed reasons it's like, mm. so the so the sensor is slow is that what they're saying their sensor is slow no. where is no they're saying they're saying that they wanted it they're, this face unlock is faster than apple's because the radar uses the radar with the front camera but because of that you don't get it as secure like i'm pretty sure the face id could probably be a lot faster right if it didn't try to uh, detect attention Uh, probably not yeah yeah, probably yeah that's true that's probably true if you but at that point you're defeating the purpose of being a secure method for logging in yeah yeah i would not disable like attention detection unless like Unless there's, a, like, I think the option is there in iOS. Like you can disable it if you really. You need can it. disable it for um, some folks who have like some sort of impairment, right? Where say making direct eye contact with the phone is impossible, right? Say if someone has like a lazy eye or, or some other some other thing like that, right? Or just for whatever reason, right? They have like maybe they're they're they don't have great, good motor control, so you know 
being able to hold the phone and actually look at it right just is impossible for them. That's why that feature exists. And that's if you use if you disable it for that reason, that is perfectly valid and makes sense. But having it off by default just for quicker login hurts security and doesn't help anyone. Yeah, it's like. Especially like somebody you brought up, like if you have like kids, like your kids can like unlock your phone just by like pointing it at your face when you're sleeping or something like that. You know, like that's that's like a fairly innocuous, kind of innocuous security issue, but like it is a security issue. Or if your uh, kids want to buy V Bucks on Fortnite, they just do the Google Pay thing, hold the phone to your face while you're taking a nap on the sofa, and there you go, in-app purchase <laughs> bought. Uh, but yes. Uh, it is an issue. Uh, if you, if you, if this is a like, I, like I think in general, like when you talk about biometrics, I think if you're in a situation where you're like using biometrics is actually is actually a problem because of very, like various activists in if you're like if you're involved in protests like in in certain countries, it is it is in many ways safer to just use a passcode. Uh, yeah, because- absolutely. Like if you're, say you're, um, I don't know, protesting at BlizzCon, right? Uh, you don't want face unlock. You don't want to use face unlock on the Pixel 4 yeah, if you're protesting oh at BlizzCon. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's that's great. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So it's, it's, if 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 your threat model is like you maybe you maybe like like your hand may be forced uh, to like if it's a fingerprint sensor or if it's like a uh, if it's like a facial recognition sensor, uh, you might your phone might be forced into your face. Like in 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 the U.S., there's like Fifth Amendment like co- like complications. Like you cannot be compelled to give your passcode, so that's complicated. It's like but stuff- but right if they've already fingerprinted you and they want to build like a three D model off your fingerprint, that's that's like ah technically technically they're not forcing you to do anything. They're using information you provided to get into the device. And so if if you're if you're like if you if you're Thinking about that, then you you definitely just want not use any biometrics and use a passcode. Yeah, uh, so that's that's that bit. Uh, let's talk about the uh, next thing. This is the Pixel Book. Oh man, this is <sighs> Pixel Book Go. So I'm excited for this device. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. All right, this is finally a Google made Chromebook that is that is. Not a ridiculous amount of money. Granted, are you getting like for six hundred and fifty dollars? You are getting about five hundred dollars worth of actual specs, right? There, I honestly looking at the specs of it because it starts um, Core i three thirty two gigs EMMC storage um, at ten eighty. It starts at M three. It's a Core M three processor. At, oh, a, it's I three M three. Yes. <laughs> so, but see, never mind. Oof, that's actually. I, I, but I guess it's Chrome OS though, so like an M3 should be fine. But, but I think like the i5 model of this one is interesting because for the reason of that Chromebooks are shittily made and using one made by Google seems like it's going to be a better time. It, it, it is. So if, if you're, if you are, if you're somebody who only like whose, whose primary laptop is like a Chrome OS device, right? Then this is like a pretty good bet, I think, right? It's like if you if you just if you just need a very good Chromebook, it's not a bad, it's not a like it's, it's a pretty good investment, I think. Like it's 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 a good device. Like it's gonna have, uh, it's gonna be supported probably far longer. I don't know how long. Google- and the the Pixel Books are the devices that Google usually tends to build Chrome OS on. Like Chrome OS development happens on the Pixel Books, so that means they usually tend to be the most optimized versions of it, where Android apps don't run like trash and. You can get a 4K display on this. If you max it out, you can get a 4K display on a fucking Chromebook. You can get a Core i7 and a 4K display. The thing that I'm upset about is the fact that the 4K display isn't tied, or it is tied, rather, to the i7. I, as I feel like you could... An, I, an M3 can drive a 4K I display. I mean, they probably Looking don't the want MacBook. to. They what do you mean? The MacBook, the MacBook I had ran it fine. The... The i5 one certainly can run a 4K display of no problem. Yeah, but they they just want to like segment the product price wise, right? They don't want to like uh, make it like a thing. So it's like 4K display. If you want the high end device with the i7, you get the 4K display, and you can get get up to like uh, 16 gigs of RAM and 256 gigs of st- 
storage. What are you going to do with the storage, by the way? Is there anything you can actually do with Linux apps? Chromos runs Linux apps now, and you can also um, Android apps as well. So you could you could use this as like a Linux laptop, which is why like Chromebooks are always more interesting now because it can be used for Linux stuff. You can't like you could say for example you're the modern tech worker who uses um, React and and Node and all those other technologies to build your web app that runs horrible on anything but Google Chrome. This is the be- best machine for you to use your network okay, on. This is the best machine because it's just lit. Google Install Chrome. Adam yeah. on your Chromebook. And w- w- jokes aside about running Chrome on Chrome on Chrome, um, Ice Cube meme here of Yo Dog, you got Chrome in your Chrome. <laughs> but uh, but in all seriousness, so I actually, I think that this makes sense for people who live primarily Google Apps and already use a Chromebook. This is a more premium option. The keyboard itself, um, all the hands-on are saying the keyboard's great and it's quiet. So, and Chromebooks tend to not have the best keyboards. Like Google dictates the layout, but like the design of them tend to not be the best. And I've learned with this MacBook Pro how much like a good keyboard matters to a laptop. Right. Like it is, it is, it is like when, when the thing is with a keyboard is like, you, as, as soon as you have a bad one, you realize, oh man, it's, it's not good. Like it's not, it's not, not a good time to have a bad keyboard on a, on a yeah. machine. And, and the tracking and uh, the tracking, like on the trackpad, since this is a Google made Chromebook device, it's probably going to be the, the best out of like the range of Chromebooks you can get. So there's like a lot of like creature comforts, I guess, that you'd, you would get by paying the extra money to pick up um a pixel book versus say like a cheaper chromebook and and it makes sense for specific people right there's some folks who say actually i was talking about on mastodon when this was announced that i tend to like look at devices now as like ecosystem plays and how much money you're spending to get into it right because like how many people are like really using a macbook pro with like an android phone right like if you for for better or worse, ecosystem lock-in is a real thing and a lot of people are enticed by it. And I don't judge anyone for saying go like all Android and Chrome OS or like go Android and Windows or just go all Apple. Like do your life. You know, right. They they wanna they wanna get the advantages of being in an ecosystem where you get the integrations going, right? And, and if you um if you say take a Pixel uh, Go and the Pixel 3A, that together is like a thousand dollars. And you're getting an objectively great computing experience for that much on the mobile side and on the um, laptop side. And of course, there are privacy concerns about Google side. I feel like we don't really need to touch upon that because we've like it's it, you already we already. I feel like at this point, people are educated enough to know and make that decision for themselves if they're okay taking whatever hits the privacy there is or whatever downsides or upsides. So I'm putting that aside, but. You get a thousand dollars for like a really good computing experience from laptop to phone, one that can run native Linux applications if you need it. You can also run Android applications if you need it. Um, and that versus say like the three thousand, four thousand dollars you'd be spending for the equivalent version of Apple's Play, right? Yes, yes, you're right. You're the Apple 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 ecosystem buying is 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 definitely significantly more expensive. Like even just an iPhone, it will will run you quite significantly like it's yeah it's it's a, it's a cheaper ecosystem by this for sure uh it's i mean i think i still think for me chromebook uh chrome os is still too restricted maybe i i actually don't know because i haven't i don't know well, i mean like with linux apps right that's the thing that makes it not restrictive anymore like i i would need i would need something that can like have an s like a sh- terminal like i need a terminal I need well, terminals a, are built in for like SSHing and all that into Chrome. Yeah, OS I need anyways. that, and and probably I need some VPN stuff that's specific. But like I, a lot I can do a lot of stuff on a Chromebook, Chrome OS, but not all. Is 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 that's the just the there are some Java things I need to run, which is annoying, by the way. But ja, so is Java. Uh, so but I think like I think like we talked about before, like the iPad thing, right? Like there's that's a special use case. So that's why I think for like people, there's like a good amount of people who could live and do live on Chrome OS. And for those folks, like honestly, yeah, students, students who aren't in like engineering, right? Like students who don't need CAD, students who don't need IDEs, like people who are doing like basic, like just. Writing reports, what editing, other like, school yeah, stuff. T- text editing with like people who basic don't need photo editing, like you know, watching Twitch. Streams. Essentially, if you don't need any specific Windows or Mac OS applications, like desktop applications that you only need to use web apps, uh, that's where you see like the Chrome OS being like a really good bet, and it ends up just being like 
one of the more secure computing platforms because this has the, and so does the Pixel 4 actually, has the Titan security chip in them. We forgot to mention that for that Pixel as well. So they both have tight security chips in them, which sort of works like how the T2 controller does on the MacBooks. Also like the secure, yeah, it's like the secure enclave. So like that style of a chip. And if you buy a Pixel book, you're going to get like objectively outside of the privacy concerns about Google, putting that aside for a quick second, you're going to get like objectively a very secure computing experience. So like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, if, if I obviously I'm like already using logic and all that. So this isn't for me. But I would not feel bad if someone was like, hey, my laptop's kind of shit and I need a new phone. What should I do? I would be like, get a Pixel 3a, maybe a Pixel 4 if you have a little bit more, get a Pixel Book Go. I I don't feel like that's a bad recommendation, right? Like you're not fucking anyone over by telling them to go that route. No, that's not a bad recommendation. <laughs> and also, like, yeah, I mean, this is a better bet than the Pixel Slate last year. Jesus. Um, oh my god, that Pixel Slate is bad. It's still bad. That was that was questionable. I am glad that they just decided to stop making tablets because it wasn't it wasn't working out. Uh, so that's the Pixel Book Go. Did they give a launch date or is it uh, sometime in end of this month, early next month, I believe? And as well, one last thing though, it has a sixteen by nine display, and why? Why in the year of our Lord 2019 are you shipping laptops with 16.9? 16.10 is the like the ba- the baseline of what any computer should be. The Pixelbook Go has a, has a 1080p display, and not not 16 by 10 1080p, 16 by 9. So it's just regular 1080p. Like, is that really like a, is 16.10 really like a thing that people want? Like, is, do people care about it? Being I mean, honestly, three by two is the best ratio to go for. Like. On a on a productivity laptop, on a laptop where you're writing, three by two is the best. Surfaces have three by two. The do the current MacBooks have three by two? I believe it's either sixty by ten or three by two. But in the year of our Lord 2019, stop shipping devices that are sixteen by nine. You know, it should be sixteen by nine. A TV, something used only for content consumption, should be sixteen nine. I yes, I I suppose I I'm not too like my screens are all. 16 by 9 like i'm not too like bothered by it i know like if, if you, you switch 16, if you switch I, to 3 by 2 I know and 16 what, by 10 you know that vertical i know space what 16 by so 10 better. gives you it gives you more vertical space uh which is good for people who like terminals actually it's it's it actually be probably be good but 16 by 10 monitors are hard to find uh with specific features that i need so it's like you just you have to compromise somewhere and 16 by 9 is is the is the most commonly available uh, ratio because of TVs, I guess. Uh, also, two two uh, two USB C ports, uh, one headphone jack, right? Yep, and it also has like a pretty interesting design on the bottom where it's rubberized. Yeah, so it's grippy, like it's like okay, okay. yeah, yeah. The bottom's rubber, and the rest of it is um the magnesium, not magnesium. The it's the same same sort of alloy that surfaces are made out of. Same materials being used in this device. Okay, cool. So it is. Okay. Uh, so that's the Chrome, the, sorry, the Pixelbook Go. Uh, let's talk about the next one. This, this one is uh, so. I guess this is the year everybody's done this because everybody's everybody's like, oh, the the AirPod is popular. We should do that. Uh, so it is the it is the Pixel Buds, which is Google's version of the AirPods, I guess, and the uh, the um, sequel to the prior Pixel Buds that were just. That had like the wire connecting them. These are actually fully wireless now. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, I forgot about those. Actually, I didn't. I didn't remember they had a lot like a last gen version of them. Um, so they just. I mean, these look like wireless head. Well, completely wireless head uh, earbuds, like uh, in ear earbuds. I guess yeah. Um, and also cost one hundred and seventy nine dollars. No, it's 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 fine. Like for this, like the price range, these usually like products like these are at like 179 to like 250, right? Uh, so yeah, yeah, the Microsoft Surface Buds are 250. Yes, yeah, so the AirPods are the lowest, and it, it, they didn't give a ship date, right? They said next spring, which is actually a long time away. It's uh, yeah, and they, the only reason they announced it this early because they said in the interview with the Verge, they're like, we're not going to have another event before they ship, so might as well announce it now. Because they're gonna leak anyways if we don't. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, just 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 so so everybody's doing these, and I want like I want like a comparison of these, like 
all like the verge actually has an article um i'll add it to the show notes showing what they look like in everyone's ears so they have like here are airpods look in your ears here's how the surface buds here's how the pixel buds here's how the galaxy buds yeah these are also like half like like half uh, headphones and like half like fashion accessories like they have to look decent they don't have they can't look terrible uh I think they only come in one color, right? No, they don't. They come in four colors. They and the colors actually look all right. Um, that that orange color again is questionable. The orange color, I'm not going to lie. At that point, it looks like just a regular hearing aid when it's in your ear. That might be the point. Maybe somebody wants to like make it a sort of it looks like a hearing aid, you know, uh, make it like unimproved. A lot of people have hearing aids, so it's like not like. Uh, and no, not uncommon. a negative way. Like, yeah, no, I don't mean that a, negative way. You know, they just look just like a, hearing aids. Yeah, they just look like hearing aids. I think man, that might be actually intentional. Like, I take that back. I think that might be actually a good idea. Uh, so, do you? So, the more important question I have for you, though, do you think these ones will hurt your ears? Looking at those tips, have you ever used headphones with those kinds of tips? I I would have to try them out. Like, honestly, with 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 earbuds, the things that go in, inside your ear, right? It is really like you have to try them out. To get a feel for them, like, and you have to try them out for long, like, a, like at least like an hour or two, or like even like, maybe even like ten to twenty minutes to see how they just if they like fall out or like if they stick in your ear, like that. That's the problem I have with the earbuds, the AirPods. Sorry, the the Apple AirBud design is that it, it doesn't stay in my ears. So that it's it, it's it's actually for a minority of people that the earbud design doesn't work, and like I'm in that minority where like it does just doesn't work. Uh, it it just falls out. So like I think like these ones that go more in your ear, like they probably are fine. But like comfort wise, like if they're good for like if you're gonna if you're just gonna go outside for like a couple hours and you're gonna have these in, uh, like are they gonna be comfortable or not? Like that's, that's yeah, like, right. That's, that's the thing. And the thing is too, Google didn't have any working units at the event, so no one's mm-hmm. able to do the sound quality. So I'm not is. surprised because it's the shipping in spring, so I, I'm guessing they probably don't have work units yet but i am excited though for our new podcast segment sadic tries headphones out <sighs> i mean if, if, if I, i'm not gonna buy all of these i'm gonna buy one of them no you go to the toronto mall they're definitely gonna have a yeah try them yeah like try on the microsoft store go try on the service buds they're probably gonna be a google pop-up stand in toronto toronto big enough of a city they did it in new york i appreciate yeah. they've done i it mean in to do it cities. here I, I can go but like i, I know the surface there's a microsoft store downtown I can go there. You can also it's, try the Beats at the Apple Store. And, and and the thing about the Microsoft Store is like the employees there are like overly enthusiastic because nobody goes to the Microsoft Store. Or if they do, it's just like just to play the Xbox. And <laughs> exactly. Leave. It's 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 every time I go there, it's like it's it's also the Microsoft Store is on like the bottom floor, so it's like uh it's like weirdly located. Like it's not in a good place in the mall either. So it's like it's like it's not great. Um. So you go there and like the they're like. Microsoft employee, like the the store employee, just like milling around. It's like there are not many people in there, uh, and compared to the Apple Store, which is in the same mall, right? Uh, like the Apple Store is always crowded, so uh, it's it's uh, it's a thing. So you are more likely to be able to try those on. Uh, so that's the so that's the Pixel Buds. They don't have a release date, as we mentioned. Uh, one seventy nine US dollars. Uh. What what next? It, like Home and Nest. Is there much to talk about that for us? Really, like it is like uh, Google. So with the Nest Mini, it's basically an updated Google Mini. With um, they brought back the touch controls that they had to turn off because it always made the microphone listen. But the previous Nest device, with the previous Google Home Mini. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That was a big like like big thing where it's like, oh, Google is listening to you all the time. Except yeah, and they Google also is, is listening upgraded to the Google Wi-Fi to be the Nest Wi-Fi, which now includes a speaker built in. So it's basically just like the Nest Mini you put in there, which actually is a good idea because the idea behind it, right, is that Wi-Fi routers need to be in a place that's really visible for them to perform well, right? And no one does that. So if you make it a speaker, then people might put it in a good place yeah but the thing is i I, like i'm interested in these devices but also at the same time is that i don't want nest stuff like i don't want the like the assistant stuff i just want the wi-fi stuff because i want to see what these wi-fi if you go on amazon and you buy the nest wi-fi it does not have the speaker built in because amazon will not allow google assistant devices to be sold oh my god oh yeah i heard about that that's that's amazing that's so they made a separate so you actually could pick it up with no google assistant so they made a separate skew just for amazon so that's that's amazing that's wow okay 
All right. I mean, I like I'm not that curious because I already have a, a good Wi-Fi setup going on. Like I don't need to do anything about it. Like it's fine. Uh, and honestly, I don't think your apartment is big enough, right, for these mesh routers to make sense. No, absolutely not. It, I my apartment is covered by one ubiquity access point, so it's it's not like I need more. Uh, but I'm just curious about like the actual Wi-Fi part of these. Like, what sort of chipsets? Like, how, what, what are the performance like? Like, what are the like? Well, the interesting bit is that they don't come with Wi-Fi 6. I mean, yes. Okay, so uh, that actually makes sense to me because Wi-Fi 6 is still, like, very early days for Wi-Fi 6. And, like, I would imagine chips for those are not common yet, like like chipsets. So not that's not exactly because you can buy $70 cheap routers. That come yes, with but Wi-Fi that's, 6 that's not the same as making, like, a mass product consumer device, right? But these are like, like from Netgear and like TP Link and other. Yeah, like, I think it's know. just too early for. And also, you when you think about product launch cycles, like these, this was probably designed, and like like you know, design was finalized before Wi-Fi six became a thing, right? You'd imagine because how that's how product life cycles work. So by the time this was this was ready to like this was already designed and like the, the specifications were sent to the factory. And the chipset orders were put in. Like it is, it was, it was already like too late for that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I don't think most people need Wi-Fi six at this point. Like, I'm just saying, you're fine. What What do you need to do is like replace your 2.4 gigahertz devices because that's the actual problem. Uh, But that's like an entire topic by itself. Like Wi-Fi by itself is like a whole whole topic. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. If you uh, want to listen to Static talk about Wi-Fi for an hour and a half, please add him on at Static Save and Mass on the Zombo Cloud. To be honest, I I don't like I can talk about it, but I'm not like an expert in Wi-Fi. Like I don't like Wi-Fi that much, to be honest, because Wi-Fi is is uh, unreliable and uh, too messy. But you know, uh, it's a thing. It's it's a thing you have to care about because I have to use it, and other people have to use it. So. Uh, Besides this. They also reannounced the Works with Nest program because remember they canceled oh, it right, a while back. Right, and right, and people got mad. just to avoid any privacy scandals, they actually have to be independently vetted to be secure by Google before they're allowed, which is probably going to piss off every like third party who wants to integrate with it. But I actually think, from a consumer perspective, this heavy-handed approach is the best way to handle Isn't it. Isn't Apple doing the same thing? Right, like the Apple does has like a program to. Well, Apple's a little different. So Apple isn't as strict about certifying devices because you used to buy a hardware chip to get home, um, home, home kit, home kit support. But now you can do it in software. But what Apple does at HomeKit is that all of its you need an Apple TV or a HomePod or an iPad to do HomeKit. Yeah, because it's it's wild. So, like if you have a security camera, do you know where Apple encrypts the video for a security camera on HomeKit on the HomePod? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that it, it kind of makes sense because it's 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 a device that's always connected, right? And, and it has it the computational power to do power it. Power to do it. Exactly. Like it, it actually from a tech perspective makes to have like all of these systems like i've been sort of reading about it uh like reading the comments on it on the on the nest stuff like it is like these systems are usually have like a have like a base station where like a lot of stuff happens like it's like this stuff where like the base station usually like is responsible for like you know talking to all these and like maintaining like uh like a network basically uh of these devices like and using- sometimes they use like not wi-fi as this um i know i know that's wi-fi it's shipping Zig- not zigbee there's another standard that google's trying to push that no one uses with nest wi-fi yeah like there's like a little bit of like a standards war going on with these but like i think zigbee is the one that i think might just went out at the end uh like it's like a low power wireless protocol that is like like it's specifically made for like these devices like you know like basically uh, Internet of Things devices in in homes, right? Uh, to talk to talk to like a base station and like talk to each other, basically, uh, like that thing. So this is, I mean, I, like again, like another product that that makes it's not for me, absolutely not for me. But you know, people are, you know, people are like really into this. Like some people like I'm talking about it. They're like there are people who build apartment buildings. They're like pulling out of Google Nest because like it requires like a Google account thing or something. Uh yeah, because it's the thing the thing about it is that I use Nest to be way more open of an ecosystem. So you can just plug it in. But just due to privacy concerns and once again like I I I can't like hit, uh, it's I can't speak for it. I can't like 
hate the decision they're making because while it's probably annoying as shit for people who actually like are really into home automation it makes sense no one wants like a cambridge analytica situation for like your home data Mm, that's yeah that's even worse yeah because it's like it's in your like these things usually have like sometimes have microphones right and like sensors or like say for example um some folks have baby monitors right but they have cameras in their baby's room and obviously you don't want that ever leaking out of your network. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And like security, like, and people get really mad if stuff is like, like, what, what, like, what, when, when you talk about like the realm of digital privacy, like, there are like layers of people, annoyance people have, like, like Facebook tracking your location is one thing, right? But like something in your home, like listening to you and leaking or like, like leaking like video from your personal space, right? That is, I think that I feel like people are going to be like way more uh, angry about that sort of violation, right? Because it feels more tangibly like a violation, right? Like it feels so. It's like, like for example, right? Like when we say that um, Google's location tracking is creepy, like yes, it is. But up until this point, Google has never actually like sold your specific location to anyone it's just that google knows everything about you but no one else does if you just only use like a google phone whereas if someone's violating your privacy by getting into your home network that's like even worse right that's like there's there's levels to this shit yeah there's levels and like if you have stuff like uh like remote control garage doors which are on the on on a network that's like a smart lock smart locks right you know Man, in and of things, stuff scares me. Like it scares me a lot because, like, oof. none of them are wired over Ethernet. No, that's not it. That's not. That's not even like it's. That's not another protocol. Like not the, the connectivity. It's the. It's the way that the security is designed, or rather, there's no no design for security. Like that's that's the. This isn't also another topic. The Internet of Home. Well, this is why. Like this is why. Like Apple does everything locally, right? Because the idea is, especially when um. Now we have like those HomeKit routers that will even make it even more secure because the routers themselves also contribute to the processing. Essentially, Apple's whole thing with HomeKit is that we're going to process it all locally, right? So say, for example, you have like video and that video has to be sent in an encrypted bundle to whatever cloud provider if it's going to be sent to one. It can't be, nothing can be sent unencrypted out of your home. And it's all going to be encrypted at the source of either the device or one of the base kit stations, you know, either be Apple TV or a HomePod. And that the reason that, like, it seems extra, like, because you think to yourself, like, why why are they encrypting video before it's even sent to whatever cloud service, right? Like, why can't it just be encrypted in transit? Because it's like, being encrypted in transit doesn't help if there's a data breach on the um, cloud service itself. Yeah, exactly. So, like, they want to keep it encrypted all, like, they want to keep it encrypted at rest, basically. Like, so, so it's like, on their servers, it's also encrypted. Like, it's, it's a, yeah, yeah, and if like someone's trying to hack into like your camera, right? Let's say they get into your camera and try to pull up the live video feed. Well, if it's being encrypted at the time of like the data being gathered, at then you know there's nothing to grab except for like a bundle that you need a key for. Also, if also if if it's if it's local, you reduce the uh, the attack surface, right? Like you make it so that it is very hard to actually reach it because to get to in get to in your network, you have to be basically in your home like somebody has to be physically in your home to breach that right like it's like a physical breach like it has like the the, the requirement like the the skill like the, the it becomes way more difficult to to breach that sort of like it just becomes a lower attack surface much harder to breach like where whereas like if you're sending everything to the cloud you that cloud account can get hacked, and then that is that is much uh, much easier to to breach that than because you just can have like a weak password, or like somebody can use like social engineering or phishing to to get those credentials. Like it's it's a, it's, a, it's a whole thing, uh, and that's so, why everything and the works of S program now is being personally vetted by someone at Nest because just. Having that kind of like zero day is like no one wants that. No company wants to deal with that. Nobody, no company wants to deal with that because if it happens, they're gonna get like a fucking class action lawsuit. I mean, I wouldn't blame anybody for filing a class action lawsuit for that uh, because God, it's, it's all of this stuff. Low key gives me nightmares. Like I'm, I'm glad that I don't have any like internet at home things because it's just like I don't trust any of these fuckers. Uh, so, so that's that's my take on the internet. At home. 
<laughs> it enough things. It's 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 a, it's a nightmare. Internet of things. I don't trust these fuckers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't trust these fuckers. <laughs> really, I do not. I do not. I know more specifically, I don't trust the companies that make them. Right I, to have my have my interest in mind. They they're only thinking of their quarterly earnings, basically. Uh, so. Um, so that's the very cheerful topic of the Google Home stuff. Uh, let's talk about something maybe a little bit cheerful. I don't know, Google Stadia uh, launching in on, on they have a launch date, I guess, uh, November 19th for people pre-order, right? 9 a.m. PST. Uh, so I guess, I mean, this is, this is happening finally, I guess. It's next month we will see. We will see what happens with this. Like we, I guess people review these, like the games on it. Like, are, did they announce like any games? No, they've already been announcing games, but like it's, but the, the interesting bit I still think with Stadia is like, it really only works on Google stuff at the moment. Like Pixel devices, Chrome, and Chromecast Ultras, and that's it. There is still no iOS support for Stadia. You can't do it in Safari, Firefox, any other browser except Chrome. So it's, it's like it's interesting that that they're going to be launching their platform, but without any like iOS support or Apple TV support or a- even like an Xbox app. Yo, yo, Chosa, there is Destiny Two on Stadia. I know uh, that, but you can't <laughs> play with PC people. Why? Why? It's, it's, it's a separate population. It. See, why? I already thought of this. I already thought of this. I was like, oh wait a minute, I can just bite the bullet get the stadia version it comes with the expansions whatever and i'll play with you nope stadia is its own player base oh own population God. that's that's mm. um so yeah so it's 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 if you pre-order this you get you get it early you get you get, you get the november 19 date right uh uh and there's also like connection requirements like connections as in like speed uh, recommendations, right, for various levels, right? So if you like, if you want, the minimum is like 10 Mbps, right? Which is like 720p, like 60, 60 frames per second stereo sound. And like, if you want to, if you want to go to 1080p, it's like 20 Mbps. And like, if you want 4K, uh, like, if you want 4K, you want like 35 Mbps or faster, I guess. And I think Stadia is going to be good enough at launch. Um, Granted, here's some caveats. If you have from 50 up onwards, if you have your devices on a 5 gigahertz network, and if you have a router that does the um, dual band or tri-band MIMO stuff that has Wi-Fi AC, Wi-Fi 5, yeah, 3X MIMO. So those are the caveats, right? If you have a Nighthawk, if you have at least 50 down, and if you have everything on a 5 gigahertz network, Stadia will be fine with occasional judders. Because with me, right, I've Ethernet, I had the best time back when I was using it when it was Project Stream. Um, Ethernet was the best time, only for the fact of, right? It's not even the video stream that's bad. It's just that packet loss is way more noticeable because that, that leads to... Packet loss is essentially the same as getting a frame time spike in a regular game, right? Basic. I mean, yes, basically. It's like it will it will create a bad experience because you it will be janky, right? Like, you will feel the jank. Uh, you will feel the jank. And also, like... I should mention, like, it's it's so it's like one twenty nine for the pre order, right? Uh, it's like the but you get, fun- of course, once it's like regular, like regularly out. You you don't have to pay that much for it. That's just for like the subscription service plus the controller plus the Chromecast Ultra. So so it comes with a like a Stadia controller uh, and the Chromecast Ultra and three months of the service, so the Stadia Pro service and a streamable copy of Destiny Two, right? I mean that's a pretty good deal, right? I like if you pre-order that, that's that's a pretty good bundle, right? I think that's launch as launch bundles go for these things. Like, I mean it's fine. Uh, and the an interesting bit too is that um, this week as well, um, game streaming from the Xbox actually started rolling out in beta for Android devices. Yeah, XCloud, XCloud beta, and the thing too is like these basically work both the same. It's just that like. It's always about network conditions. Like, I think at this point, like, with Mixer and Twitch, we've been able to get low latency streaming, like, as good as it can be. But it's just, like, 5G has to come along, or Wi-Fi has to improve, or there has to be, like, or Ethernet. Oh, no, you just, it's just that you have to have good infrastructure. You have to have good network. You have to have good internet, basically. Like, to put it in simple terms, is that you have to have an ISP that's reliable, um, that has good enough bandwidth, uh, and it's like you know, even at during peak hours, it's it's reliable enough that you can 
use this. And that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm uh, like, that's what I'm worried about is that the US market doesn't have enough good bandwidth for this. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I have many questions. Like, how will this perform on, on bad, like, on sort of, sort of, like, if it's like congested and you only have like 10 Mbps, you have like, you have a, if you have 50 Mbps connection, but you only get 10 Mbps at peak, at peak hours because it's congested, like, how does that affect like the gameplay? Like, is the latency increases? Like, how does it deal with jitter, which is like, Latent, like latency variations right like small. it's likely does it it does it how like does on the twitch stream right where sometimes it'll just skip ahead or whatever and there's th- there's nothing you can really do right because it's not as if um it's not as if what's it called i'm um, actually arsenic had a really good the, the article you linked me to about fighting games right yeah where it's like they have they have basically is it two copies of the game being rendered at once to sort of help with um input latency it's it's a little bit more complicated than that it's basically like kind of like you you have like a prediction algorithm like it's it's called uh what is it called i i linked it yesterday rolling rolling um roll no, rollback rollback right so rollback uh it's it's called uh let me let me find this uh it's 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 actually a very good article i think everybody should read it. it's fairly long but it's very good is is how fighting games use like a kind of netcode that that makes because fighting games are usually peer to peer right and to because because of the peer to peer nature, you have to worry about like people's connections being shit, right? Like or being like unstable, or if they're on Wi Fi, right? Stuff like that. So you have to design for it. And one of the things that they do is is use rollback netcode, which is which is a way to mitigate a lot of the like basically working with the game engine. Um, syncing audio, like syncing game state, like all there's a lot of there's a lot of things I can't really explain it because it's it's actually fairly complex. Uh, there's a lot of factors, but uh, and the reason I bring it up, the reason I bring it up is that Google has said in the future that they want to start rolling out these kind of predictive algorithms to help improve the stutter. They they call it they call it like predictive, you know, like gaming. It's like it's a zero latency. It's like it's a terrible way of, of terrible marketing term for it. But the idea is sound, right? It's basically right. We have ten branches of possibilities a player could do, and we're going to use AI to predict which one, and we're going to use that prediction to help re- pre-render what's going to happen. And at the first signal of that choice being made, we're going to push that out, and that's going to go ahead and improve latency because we're not going to wait for the game. It's already been rendered, right? It's already it's already in the pipeline, and we're just serving it. You know, when I heard the ter- when the when the, in the marketing term negative latency, I heard I was I was just like fuck off, like this is what is like fuck off. That's not a thing. Uh, like negative latency is not a thing. There you can't escape the speed of light, right? Uh, it's just it's just essentially basically reducing the latency significantly, like the processing latency, right? Uh, it is. This is all on the server. You can re-render exactly. out multiple choices. Exactly. Uh, so. I mean, it remains to be seen when these things actually come out, like Project X Cloud, Google Stadia. What else? Like, is there anybody else doing this? Like, uh, I mean, Sony has their PS Now stuff, but I don't think that's really a, a serious player. Not yet. No, not now. Not right now, anyway. So we will see when Google Stadia comes out, like what this actually looks like, like how it performs. Like, imagine trying to play. Like, what does like playing Crucible look like in Destiny Two in? In using this with with Project Stadium, like what does that look like? I want to know. Like I want to know what that feels like uh, because like, I think game streaming is for the for at least for right now, honestly, for like single player games, for like an Assassin's Creed style game, where especially if the game already has like fairly high input latency just for animations, like you're gonna be fine. It's fine. It's fine for streaming because you don't really you don't really like feel it like it's not as significant if there's like a slight jitter or like a slight hiccup especially too with the um controller being connected directly to the cloud and not touching your actual device really which okay. is important right yeah the controller connects to wi-fi it doesn't connect to the device because the thinking is right there's gonna be input latency if i'm doing bluetooth to my macbook and my macbook's doing the chrome and then it's saying that input through the video stream up to the cloud we can cut off that pipeline by having the controller associated with my google account and that talking directly to the to a listening service on the cloud i have questions i have a lot of questions because this is all wi-fi and wi-fi is as i mentioned earlier unreliable and jittery uh, so like uh, um, i mean it could be using well, actually you can't do wi-fi direct to a router can you 
the only Wi-Fi Direct from device to device. I was gonna say, like, because I know Wi-Fi Direct isn't that like more low latency, like on a different part of the spectrum. I mean, than, yeah, but um, like it has to be supported by the device, right? It's like the chipset has to support it, and like the software has to support pairing in Wi-Fi Direct. It's not like Wi-Fi Direct is a thing, but it's it's not commonly supported by a lot of things because it is it's not usually needed for a lot, like, it's a very niche use case. But uh, like, so like. I'm tempted by this, but I don't want it. At the same time, it's kind of like it's kind of like I want to see how the networking bit of this works. Like, I mean, and for it... you though, you like have your computer on like what one gig Ethernet, right? Yeah, it's it's all like my consoles are on Ethernet. Like you're not going to notice any issues with it to begin with, but you already have like the locally powered. I can port. put I can put the Chrome I put, can put the Chromecast on Ethernet as well. By the way, I, I already have like a Chromecast that's on Ethernet. Um, I have the Ethernet dongle, like I have a Chromecast two or whatever, like it's on it's on dongle. Uh, like I would imagine you can use the Ethernet dongle with the Chromecast Ultra here and like have that connected to Ethernet, but like the controller, the controller has to be on Wi-Fi then. Like so, it's like it has to be on Wi-Fi. It can't be like you can't like re- remove the Wi-Fi variable there. Like that's that's what I'm talking about. It's. Uh, I have many questions, and I want to see how what this actually feels like, and I want to like see reviews of people testing this out in adverse network. You want the digital foundry video, basically. I want a digital foundry video of like latency, like input latency, and also like network performance, like benchmarks, basically. Like, like what does it look like if you like artificially induce packet loss, or like you know you can do that, like you do stuff like that. Like, I want to see how it performs under adverse conditions. Not or more importantly, not, how does it perform on mobile data? Right? How does it perform on LTE? How does it perform LTE? Yes, that's that's a very good fair. Because Google's been saying, Google's like, we don't recommend doing this on LTE. Google's straight up like, Wi-Fi, home Wi-Fi specifically, and that's it. Because like at a coffee shop too, oof. Although, I'd be, I'd be intrigued. The thing that I've wanted, right? It's like, why not make a Switch app for it? Like, I know Switch Wi-Fi is garbage. Like, I get that. But, you know, like, this is, using a Switch is a great idea for game streaming. Yes, but it's also a competing product. So it's like, no, it's kind of weird if you do that. Like, so it's like, you know, I can see why they won't well, do that. Well, you can install Android on your Switch and just install the game streaming app there. Hack your Switch. Hack your Switch. There you go. Hack your Switch and use Google Stadia. Oh, man. that's That sounds like such a hack. Uh, but yes, the controller, by the way, is coming in three different colors, and I don't hate these colors. Um, again, with the marketing names, uh, Just Black. Clearly, right. And and the last one, which is actually a be- good name, is wasabi. Uh, it's actually a nice color. It's like a nice light green. Uh, I like it. I like that color. It's, it looks nice. Uh, the controller also looks interesting. Right? It looks like a what, like a Switch Pro controller, right? Mostly, except um, the um, thumbstick layout's in the wrong position. Yes, it's not in the Xbox style. It's the PS4 style horizontal style right like it's it's the the two sticks are perfectly aligned not not moved up like it's in the xbox uh, i mean it's all personal preference really uh if, if you like the controller you like the controller you don't you don't uh that's the google stadia i am actually very curious about the not the games but just the way the way, way it runs and how it works and how it functions long term we'll see uh, the last bit before we end up in the podcast, I guess, is is obviously since this is a Google event, there's gonna be product shutdowns. Uh, <laughs> uh, like people, Google launches products and then like shuts them down, right? Uh, it's, that's how this works. Uh, two products: uh, Daydream VR and Google Clips. I don't know what Google Clips was. So Google Clips was a camera, right? That you just put in your house and it automatically takes photos of stuff. Why though? Like why? And upload it to Google Photos. Why? Why is this like why is this a product that <sighs> Well, it's dead for a reason because it made no sense to begin with when it came out. <laughs> yeah, it's like why is it's an action camera that takes pictures for you? It's like a GoPro, but worse. Like, what's what's the point of that? What was um, so? It's then uh, rest in peace, I guess. I mean, I don't think anybody. No, 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 no. Fuck Google Clips. What I'm more sad about is Daydream VR, but I get it because phone based VR is actually proven to be bad. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's it has always been like a very like very 
limited experience, like because of the hardware limitations, right? Like the resolution limitations and like the processing limitations. Like having good VR still requires pretty expensive hardware. Well, the Oculus yeah. Quest is pretty good. Well, I can Oculus also think Quest about is, getting yes, it. I mean, I'm, Oculus Quest is like a dedicated VR product, like, and like they have the R and D to make it work. And but like I think Google v, like Dayton VR was always like, hey, we can do this thing. Let's ship it, right? It was like, like a fancier Google Cardboard, and never anything better than that. Exactly, pretty much. Uh, so Google, that the subheadline on on our stack, Google Daydream now sleeps forever, is very good. By the way, uh, so rest in peace, Google Daydream, and rest in uh, peace, phone based VR. Um, hopefully, you come back one day when Apple decides to announce a VR initiative. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Google, Apple's more focused on AR stuff than uh, VR right now, so that, that's that's the thing. Uh, so that's that's the Google event and this year honestly it's like it's it's it, i think i think i think what's what's happening is we're we are we've been talking about the, these things for so many years now it's like it feels like like we're not tech journalists but it feels like we're just like doing the motions in, in some ways like it's just like a thing that's happening every year we talk about it and it goes away and it happens again next year right it's like I, there's nothing exciting here like i could say it that way because like at the very least right Microsoft is doing some wild shit right now with, with Windows 10 X and a Surface Video. And Apple as well is very obviously preparing Mac OS to go ARM with how they're like depreciating stuff like wild on the OS side. So there's movement there. But like when we look at what Google's doing, it's sort of like, well, outside of the assistant and their AI stuff, machine learning stuff, like what are they? What's this is catch up, right? Like they made an Eero, they made an Alexa, like a better um, Echo Mini. They are they made an AirPod competitor. They're trying to compete with Microsoft on game streaming. Like there's, they basically made like a OnePlus Seven with a better camera. Yes. (laughs) Like what? Like what are the? What are they doing that's interesting here? It's it's, you know you know what's what's funny. it's what's funny is that like we just talked about Google Clips, but there's no Google Clips now. Like there's no Google is not doing stuff like that anymore. Like it feels like they stop kind of doing these moonshot weird ideas, right? They, they just stop making them, I guess. Like they, they, they like who's running like Google Hardware right now? Like Rick Ostrello? Like I think Rick Ostrello is just like we want to focus. Like I feel like Rick Ostrello is like let's make a good set of ecosystem products. Like Good Pixel phone, good Pixel buds, like a good uh, like like they're, they're making they're covering all the ecosystem base. So they have a good phone, they have a good laptop, and they have a good like audio side of things, right? They want to like basically make good products and essentially have like a longer term ecosystem buy it, right? Not just like stuff like Daydream VR or like Google Clips, right? Stuff that's like like essentially launching alpha products, basically. Uh, it's, it's not like it feels like Google is kind of moving away from it. Like it's it's like kind of a thing that they don't want to do it. Uh, it's it's kind of a lead, I think it's like a leadership change, maybe like like a direction change uh, over at Google Hardware. Uh, it's like they don't want to focus on stuff that's more more thought of, like more completely thought of, and like actually also more profitable. Possible, yes, definitely. Because the problem rough. is right. Like these, we could very well be in a world where um, the Pixel and like iPhones are like the main devices people buy, but Google doesn't put in the work. No, uh, not yet. Anyway, but yeah, it's like it's Google is just kind of chipping away at the Pixel thing. It's like, well, we'll get there someday, I guess. Like it's 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 still it's still, it's still there's the whole matter of like the Samsung and like the other OEMs. So it's like Android is complicated. It's not just as Google can just muscle in there, really. Uh, so so that's Google 2019. Uh, I I think after this we should take like a two week break because I don't think anything's happening in the next two weeks. Uh, we we can well, take... BlizzCon's happening within a couple it's, a it's, week it's, or so. I mean, it's in November. Like, it's in November, right? Wait, uh, it's in November. It's, thought, it's, it's, it's oh, usually it's in November. November. Yeah, so it's 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 a bit away. Uh, so, so you're saying we should return for BlizzCon? Oh, you saw that Jim Sterling video. You know, you know that if they do open mics, like if they oh, let people they just do Q and A, they will not do Q and A this. But time. I want like, them to. Like Jim Sterling was saying, it'd be so great. It'd be if amusing, but it also, be, you know, in some ways, do you I know how pissed people got about Diablo Immortal? Yes, but uh, imagine that. But times also, like yeah, 10. I know it's funny. It's funny, but like it's also bad. Like I feel bad for the people who are 
who are there doing the demos and talking about these games, like they are not the ones making like bad decisions in Blizzard. Like I like except for the leadership, like there's gonna be some leadership people there, but like for the most part, like the people like the like the, like the person at the at the QA, like the developer of the QA, like who's who's talking about the new Diablo game is not your enemy here, right? It's it, it's like it's, I feel kind of bad for the people who are who are gonna be doing that stuff, uh who are gonna be fielding questions or whatnot. Uh, and if I mean, do, I get your sensible takes, but I just want to have fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't. I just don't want to have fun at the expense of people That's who fair. are not That's really fair. at That's fault fair. here. So it's like it's kind of like a it's kind of like because this is this is what happens when you have the corporation, you have the people working for the corporation. That's that's the welcome. So to, what you're saying is basically they should let Bobby Kotick do the um, yes, exactly Bobby Kotick. The people he should come up on stage and people should throw like bananas at him, like stuff like that. You know, uh, imagine Bobby Kotick getting tomatoed. That would be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like yeah, pretty much. That's a that's Bobby Kotick. That's a good image. Uh, somebody should uh, yeah. Um, all right, so you can find me uh, as always uh, on on. Okay, first you can find the podcast on twoshadesofbrown.com. You can contact us via email, contact at twoshitsandbrown.com. Uh, don't spammers, don't spam as always, uh, but they don't, they didn't have a listen. Uh, so send us nice things. Um, you can find me on Mastodon at statingsafe and mastodon.zombacloud.com. I trust that you moved accounts and it worked. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mastodon 3 included an account migration thing. So, like last night, I was like, let's just try it. Why not? Why not? And it worked. About 100 accounts didn't get moved over, but I was looking at them and they're not on Mastodon 3 yet. Yeah, exactly. So, it's pretty cool. Uh, so, you, what's your new new handle? Uh, um, so, Mastodon? you can find me on Mastodon at chosefight at chitter.xyz. Yep. There you go. Uh, and with that, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>